Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's beating the Baltimore Orioles. Congratulations to the Rangers. Congratulations to the Orioles. What a year. Thanks to the Orioles for all that you did for baseballs and boring, whether it's with the t-shirts, whether it's with the podcast, Eric Arditi, RDT, the guy, the voice, the face of the Baltimore fans. We look forward to talking to him in the future. We looked forward to talking to him every time he came on. And that was because he's good, number one. And also the Orioles are super interesting. They're going to continue to be super interesting. But the Rangers, I mean, they're just rolling, absolutely rolling. And that was a great way to start your day and punctuate that series, which was the call, Joe Davis on the call. We love those calls. Absolutely love them. And obviously the Houston Astros, they're on the cusp now of playing the Rangers. We'll see. We'll see. I, we would love to see a fifth deciding game. I, I speak for everybody. I want to see it. So you have that. You have the rubber meets the road day. The National League, Phillies Braves, Diamondbacks Dodgers, what a day. What a time to be alive in the world of baseball. And what a time to be part of the baseballs and boring family. FanDuel.com slash boring. FanDuel.com slash boring. Be like Pap. Potentially win $150,000. Still in play. We'll see. Big night for Pap tonight. All right. Also, at BB isn't boring. Twitter account, Instagram account. Like we said, it's a great time to be part of the Baseballs and Boring family, and we have welcome in a new member to the family. Christopher Troy, 12th-round pick in 2021 for the Boston Red Sox. Pitcher, pitching in the Arizona Fall League right now, and just a really, really intelligent, insightful, entertaining, articulate um, you name it, he's it. He's the perfect guy to be our Arizona Fall League boots on the ground correspondent. You're gonna find that out in this podcast. So every Wednesday we're gonna have CT on to break down what's what in life in the Arizona Fall League. You're not gonna find that on any other podcast. You, we get it all. We get the playoffs. We get the major leagues. We got everything, and we are so psyched to have CT join us. As you're going to find out in this podcast, he's got a lot to say, a lot of insight, a lot of perspective, and it's just the type of stuff that you can't get, that I can't give you if I just yapped away into this podcast, 
but he can. And went long. I mean, it went about an hour, but you know what? Those are the best ones sometimes because you know if I'm going an hour, you know by now. If I'm going an hour with someone, I'm just talking. If I get I, I if I'm allotted the time and I'm having a good conversation, there it is. Just two guys sitting in the living room talking for an hour. And that's what this felt like, and that's what it will feel like. So Troy story. Yes, Troy story. Life in the Arizona Fall League. I love it. All right, here you go. Here's the first installment, Christopher Troy. All right, listen, there's not a lot of people where I could say, I absolutely, at this moment, right now, this is the person I want to talk to. But this is the person I want to talk to. Christopher Troy, um, CT, the guy out in the Arizona Fall League, the guy who has uh, maybe the best personality of any minor leaguer in baseball, um, as has shown on on social media. We get to that a little bit. But also the guy who has come aboard and and I mean, I just told you the name of the segment, man. Like the t- Troy story, boots to the ground, Arizona Fall League. This is our guy. You are edu- we're all Christopher, we're all about educating. Whether whether we're talking to Joey Votto, whether we're talking to managers, whatever it is, we are here to educate, inform, and entertain. Thank you so much for doing all three of those. How you doing? That's all, one, one introduction. One I was going to say, that's a long-winded introduction. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but, I, but I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Yeah, Let's go. Thanks for having me on. And Troy stories too. I like. I like. Uh, I like that. Whoa, it's, whoa, it's, whoa. it's growing on you in the last five seconds. When I oh, absolutely. <laughs> as soon as you said it, as soon as you said, it, I'm all in. <laughs> all right. So I want to. I want to. I'm going to say call you CT. I, I like. I, is that all right? I, it's CT. Please do. Okay. Please you because you, you you latched on to Bradfield right away, which immediately I knew you were you're you were a good one so uh, that's good this this no formalities here but um you're playing for the Glendale Desert Dogs uh the Arizona Fall League the Arizona Fall League going on now goes through the early part of November and this is a big part of this we want to get into sort of the what's what when it comes to what this life is all about uh how how it's different than what you thought it would be how you got there but and we want to touch on a lot of things. We want to touch on social media. We want to touch about your personality. We want to touch on you know just the existence of someone in in your your position in professional baseball. All of it. I mean, this is this is a gold mine. Not only for people listening to this, like the average show, but honestly, CT. Like the fact is that we had on Rich Hill. We had Mike Burroughs, prospect for the Pirates, on last last year on the podcast and Rich Hill came on and he just mentored him live. And the reason is, is because we're all this together, man. We think we know about all things baseball, but we don't, you are going to tell me things today that I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, you probably come across this sort of stuff all the day, right? That you find out something new that you didn't know. Yeah. I mean, it seems the more that I know, the more that I learned, the, the less, the less I actually know, which is uh, which is kind of an interesting concept, right? Like every time I learn something, that spawns two more questions and two more things that I didn't know. So uh, obviously excited to be here. And honestly, with Rich Hill and, and names like that, Joey Votto, and for me to be on with you, man, it's uh, it's truly a pleasure. Uh, we're all a happy family, man. And and the T-shirts are on the way, as I told you. <laughs> but okay. uh, 
You know, one of the things you said that, you know, I want you to introduce yourself in a second, but one of the things since you said that, I was, I was, uh, I'll just say it. Like, I asked uh, Brian Abraham, you know, Brian Abraham, farm director for the Red Sox. Yes, sir. Give me something. Give me something. Give me something for, uh, it's like, ah, oh, he's a big note taker. I'm like, all right, you're scratching right where I itch. Okay. So talk to me. Talk to me about your, like, so you say, you're, I assume that's true, that you're a big note taker. So talk to me about like what, what that entails. Yeah. I think, you know, when you, when you, when you try to schedule out like ideas and creativity, you, I often find myself sitting down and I'm like, okay, now I'm supposed to be creative and now ideas are not flowing. And I have found that most of my ideas, most of my, most of my good ones at least, um, happen and are inspired at moments in the day that oftentimes I don't have anything to capture it with. Uh, for instance, I'll be in catch play um, before the game and I'm working on a slider and I develop a little bit of a feel for it. I'm like, oh, that was a good one. Well, how do I how do I hold on to that, right? So in my mind, in my mind, I've always got something to write with. I've always got something to write on, and it's because little cues like that or ideation. Um, when it comes to my social media brand or my real estate endeavors, which I know we'll get into a little bit more. Um, but, but, but you never know when inspiration will strike. And so, you know, I think that those, that, that, that inspiration really, really needs a systemized way of capturing. And so that's where, that's where the note taking comes from. Even players, uh, people that I come across, I'm asking them how to throw the, how do they throw their fastball? How do you throw your slider? Um, and you know, they might come up with something that, that I've never heard of before. And it's something that I want to go try. And it's the same way when I'm, when I'm talking with you, right? Like I got my, I got my laptop right here. I got my notebook right here. I'm ready, <laughs> ready to take down things that I learned and the things that I, that I get to know. So, um, honestly for, for Abe's to, to say that, to say that about me, that means, uh, that means he's paying attention. Oh, he's paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are everywhere. They want to know every little thing, but. And believe me, that's a positive. That's like a that's Absolutely. a check check in the in the positive category in terms of the Red Sox brass. But I will say this: I, so when did you? Because this is I've seen guys do this before, right? But you explaining it off honestly like helps me understand better why you should do it or why you do it. So when did you start doing that? Um, honestly, as soon as. As soon as I got into college, right, like I was a freshman and I really wanted to uh, make an impression on Coach Checks at UC Santa Barbara. And so we're in meetings and it seems like I was the only one writing down, writing things down. And I got a lot of positive feedback from the coaching staff and for uh, for doing things like that. So um, I guess it's just kind of reiterated, reinforced the ideas that I have and the things that I want to keep track of. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, I mean, you're sitting, you're sitting down on a meeting you're a freshman on campus and you know, you're a little nervous and, and there's still that like unnervy feeling. Yeah. Do I belong here? Do I not? And so sometimes those thoughts get distracting from what the coach is saying or from something that is probably important, right? Like if he's scheduling, if he's scheduling an hour of your day to go learn and sit down about uh, and talk about bunt defenses, it's probably important. And the odds that you're going to remember everything from that call or from that talk slim to none. Right. So in my mind, it was just a way to be more prepared than the person left to the left of me, to the right of me. And then, and at the end of the day, it's a competition. And for me, as long as I know I'm prepared, then then I can check that box and I can uh, have the confidence to compete and perform freely. So I think I think that 
you know, the note taking and, and, and keeping track of things just, it's been innate. It's been something I've always done. And the form and the way that I do it has evolved over time. Um, obviously I can't carry my, my iPad and my Apple pencil with me on the field, but I've got my notebook that I, uh, that I, that I bring out with me. I've got note cards everywhere. Um, I just like to write. I just like to write. That's good, man. That's good. Because you know what? Someday the book's coming. I know it is. And I don't even talk about a baseball book. I'm talking about an inspirational book. I can already tell you. But, you know, you talked about social media and uh, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Christoph Troy, um, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-T-R-O-Y-E, just to clarify. And I, I honestly... CT, like you've gotten a lot of buzz, and I know that we've talked about this. You get a lot of buzz because of social media, right? This is you, you're, you're very, very honest. You're very, very thoughtful, and you're very, very proficient when it comes to this. But as you're talking about writing stuff down and the thoughts, you can, you can see how this translates. And I think that this is important, right? This is important that not only are you documenting, but you're getting things out there and people are seeing it. I'm going to give you a, um, I don't know, man, like tweet, like a post, right? Uh, so this is from a few days ago. You said settling in, process is greater than outcomes. The AFL is a period along the timeline. Oh, my God, that was a good line, by the way. Uh, 1% better every day, me versus me yesterday. The optimal perspective for long-term success has gotten me this far. First off, is that you? Like, is that, like, that's all you? Yes, sir. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, you. it is, man. Like it is. Like every line of this. Like, like, like I said, the AFL. That, by the way, they should put this on the bumper stickers for the AFL. <laughs> is the AFL has appeared along the timeline? I mean, you had a, you had a lot of good posts. I just like I'm like okay, whatever you were doing, did when you were jotting that stuff down, it was good. So, I yeah, Thank I mean, you. I think it's powerful. I do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, it just helps keeps my mind clear. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of things, I mean, especially in today's age, right? There's distractions everywhere. And for me, you know, it's, it's, I take, I take stock, I take audit of where my attention is, where my focus is at any given moment of the day. And so when there's things out of my mind that I feel like are distracting me from, from my purpose, from my mission, then um, take stock and like be aware, like not like don't judge them, don't judge those thoughts, but be aware of them. And for me, just writing those down and really forcing myself to articulate those thoughts um, feels like it cleans out my mind, you know. And so when I tweet those kinds of things, like I don't care how many people see them. I've been doing this. I've been doing this, by the way, uh, for a lot longer than uh, I've gotten credit for. It just happens. It just so happens that. People are now noticing because now my performance is at a point that is catching eyes. So it's like mm. before I was performing, nobody cared what I had to say, you know? <laughs> and so it's funny because I've continued to do those things and continue to articulate those thoughts. But then now when you couple um, outsized performance, honestly, a 39.5% strikeout rate this last year, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got to brag a little bit. I got to brag a little bit. That's no, we'll, keep, well, listen, listen. We're going to brag on you plenty. Don't worry about it. But, but, and you should brag on yourself. But you're right. I mean, you're right. It's, it's all of a sudden you perform. People look at the minor leagues. They look at guys who are separate. Because this is what it's all about, man. Whether it's podcasting, whether whatever it is, it's all about separating yourself. 
You separated yourself performance-wise. You're separating yourself uh, on social media. And by the way, I think that the first time that you came on my sort of timeline was when you complimented Marcelo Meyer on the interview we did with him, right? So, because you're a roommate with him, right? Correct? Yes, sir. Good friends. Yeah, good friends. So, like, but that's the whole dynamic. I'm like, oh, all right. You know, there's this is another thing that people don't understand that, that yeah, okay, um, give you an example, like whoever, like Julio Rodriguez isn't rooming with somebody at the Ritz, but he did at some point. Yeah. And, and and so anyway, well, there's a lot to get to. I want to. I've been remiss in saying of sort of introducing <laughs> where we got to this point, but I think this is good because it shows everybody like how awesome you are. And now we're going to tell you everybody where how that awesomeness was developed and how you sort of landed here. And I could go through your Wikipedia page and everything else, but I want you to do it. I want you to sort of just sort of bullet point elevator pitch. Like who you are, where you came from, and where you've landed. Yeah, I grew up in a uh, suburb of the Bay Area, Brownwood, California. Um, my dad was a Marine. Uh, he was out of the service when my mom got pregnant with my sister, who was two years older than I am. And so I feel like I kind of grew up with my parents, right? So me and my sister are the two eldest, and I've got two younger brothers. But um, I could tell, and I've told my parents this a thousand times, like they've gotten more and more relaxed with every kid. Uh, which is, which is kind of funny to say, but, uh, grew up, I mean, really strict household. My dad was obviously Marine and, you know, strong attention to detail. Um, very formal. Yes, sir. No, sir. Kind of, kind of, kind of guy. So, um, grew up in that situation. I was blessed with good genes from 6'4, 250. So, uh, I feel like I stand out just by, just by being on the field, uh, which really helped my recruiting process. Got recruited a catcher in high school. Uh, committed going into my sophomore year of high school, so early. Um, but I committed to UC Santa Barbara just because it was the best total package, financially, academically, and athletically, baseball-wise, right? Like, I thought it was – it ticked off every box. Um, ended up going to Santa Barbara as a catcher. Um, fresh off of the Under Armour All-American game, 18 years old, had a little bit of an ego to me. Uh, maybe still do, but you know, when you're 18 years old and you and you're one of the best four catchers and and uh, amateur catchers in the game, you know, it's I guess I'll give myself a little bit of leeway. Like it's tough to it's tough to not have an ego. Yeah, uh, but I got humbled quickly, man. And and one of my good friends now, Eric Yang, he was a year older than me. He's currently in AAA with the Reds, uh, catching. Dude's an absolute stud. And um. Coach Checkets called me into his office and said, hey, you probably will not be contributing behind the dish this year. Um, but we know that you have a good arm. My arm has always been my top tool, uh, my power arm, even behind the dish. Dude, I'd, I'd love to just, like, backpick at first base with the guy one foot off just to show off the arm, you know? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When high school and whenever I was playing, dude, I would I would throw every single opportunity I had. back Backdoor guys at second base, even third base. Um, but he said, let's, let's get you on the mound. And in my first bullpen, I think I was up to like 97, uh, <laughs> with, uh, with like 24, 25 inches of vert, you know, inches of horizontal. Um, so it was a pretty special fastball profile. 
Uh, I actually think I dented the uh, the clubhouse door, which is which is way <laughs> further from the bullpen than I would like to admit. But dude, the next day, the next day after my bullpen, I showed up and uh, the construction team was at our field putting like a steel graded plate on top of the bull uh, on top of the, uh, the clubhouse door with a few dents in it already from my bullpen the other day. Um, uh, that's awesome. But, you know, so that's when I got converted. You know, Coach Checkets and the data analytics team at Santa Barbara ahead of the game by far in terms of track man, Repsoto, all of those things. Um, and they saw my fastball and they said, you know, you probably have an opportunity to, to contribute your freshman year as a pitcher. And I was very hesitant. Um, took me through a full season where I wasn't really bought in yet. But then by my sophomore year, I was I was pretty bought in and had some success my sophomore year, got invited to the Cape, uh, first outing in 2019 in the Katua Ketaliers in the Cape Cod League toward my UCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, t- a tough process, honestly. It was, yeah. it was a mental grind more than a physical for sure. Um, 2020 ended up being COVID, so that would have been my draft eligible year. And I remember – Dude, that was a that was a dark time for me. That was that was that yeah. was a bad time mentally. I was in a bad headspace. Um, you know, it was twenty four months of of Tommy John recovery, which anyone who's gone through Tommy John or knows somebody who has, like, dude, you you spend two hours with like a two pound weight doing like little exercises like this, and it's just things that just are not fun to do. Like, you just don't enjoy doing it, but you know you have to do it, and you've got to do it every single day for twenty four months in order to come back and hopefully be just as good as you were before you went down. So, and you were doing it in the middle of COVID, like in yeah, the middle, which, which in retrospect, I think, like, not that anyone benefited from a global pandemic, but um, if I look at if I look at the timing of of my Tommy John trying to pull the silver lining out of it um I I, I really I, it it couldn't have happened at a better time just yeah. because I had I had so much time to do my recovery I was not in a rush to come back for the season if I was sore I could take an extra day which is a luxury that that uh, most guys going through Tommy John don't have um, no, that makes sense no it definitely makes sense yeah, and then came back from my senior year. Uh, I think my first three outings of the season, dude. I, I was like, oh, this game. I, I was it was on easy mode. I think I went like, I think I, I think I went three innings with like eight strikeouts and three saves. Like the first three starts, <laughs> the first three appearances in college, and I was like ninety seven plus, touching ninety nine, flirting with a hundred. Could never get it in college, but ended up getting it in pro ball. But anyways, um, my 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 performance definitely declined just as the season went on, uh, my senior season. So I went back out to the Cape Cod League for Katuit, and they were generous enough to give me a spot for that year, and I went out and blew it, dude. I had two appearances with, like, eight walks, couldn't get out of an inning. Um, and I, I originally I went out there to kind of boost, in hopes of boosting right. the draft. I think I actually heard it. Um, but the Red Sox, as analytically, analytically refined as they are, they, they saw my fastball and um took a chance on me so after two years of professional full season professional baseball to be in double a and to be in the fall league afterwards like yeah i like where i'm at you've went yeah i like where you're at too and by the way when did you hit 100 uh it was my professional debut in the wow you're kidding me the fcl dude that was that was a crazy crazy day it was me wyatt olds and jake webb um we threw the seventh, eighth, and ninth of an FCL game. 
And it was, we still talk about that, that day, uh, amongst ourselves. Dude, we were all coming out just absolutely blowing cheese, like just dominated, dominated an FCL lineup. <laughs> I remember the, I remember the, the FCL coach for the, uh, it was the Pirates. He got up like in the set, in the eighth inning. It was just like, what, like, what are we doing? Like, hands up to our dugout, like, what, like, this is just unfair. With like three uh, people in the stands, right? I mean, family and friends, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we were, dude, we were absolutely blowing smoke. Uh, back to back to back, and I don't know what it was, but it was just a, it was just a good time. So, so did you know he had honored? Did you know? Uh, I I knew that I was close based on the reaction. Yeah. But like everyone, you, you could see everyone behind. Uh, you know the back how the back yeah. are. Oh yeah. So you can see everyone right behind, and they've all got radar guns, and so I could see that they're getting excited, and that was that was making me even more excited. <laughs> so I didn't know I hit a hundred until I came off the mound, and they told me, but uh, I knew that I was throwing hard. They're like, so listen. Like there's a lot of stuff that we get to. There's a lot of stuff that like you you've accomplished. But I will say this: put that check mark in your LinkedIn page. Put it in your profile because because I know Bayo Brian Bayo right. He has a tattoo a hundred. I said, well, what is that? He's like, because I want to throw a hundred. Guess what? He's never done throwing a hundred. So there you go. I don't, yeah, I don't know if you want to get a tattoo, right but. I'll give him a little bit of leeway. He just had a just had an incredible debut year. With yeah, the yeah, yeah. There, yeah so. No, I, I'm not saying this is a be all end all. Believe me. I, uh, hey, has anyone thrown a hundred in in the uh, the AFL, the Arizona Fall League yet that you've seen? Not that I've seen. Okay, which is a lot, again, of, guys, a lot okay. of guys throw hard, but not a hundred. I mean, but it's at the end of the season, you know. And and we played, we just played 142 games, and to come out here and play another 30, um, dude. It's, I mean, it's a grind. Yeah, and so that brings me like, I, that brings me to what the Arizona Fall League stuff. So they tell you that you want to go, and like you can you can speak to a lot. I think a lot of like a lot of guys there about what this process is like and how it feels to be named to this thing to do one of these teams, and then what you expect and what the reality is. So first off, when they say, "Hey, we want you to go there." Was that on your radar? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think I think as a baseball player, like if you're not having the AFL on your radar or something to kind of, I guess, strive for, like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the second that they told me, I was stoked, and it was because sixty percent of everyone who's ever played in the AFL has made it to the big leagues. Nice. And so, and so your odds, you know, you, you're playing the numbers game your whole life, right? You're in high school and it's like, okay, well, I've got a 0.01% chance of getting a D1 scholarship. And then you get the D1 scholarship and you're like, okay, well, I've got a 0.01% chance of getting drafted. And then you get drafted and you're like, okay, now I have a 1% chance of making it to the big leagues because I'm a 12th rounder and not that many 12th rounders make it to the big leagues. And then you get the call to the fall league and just like immediately, immediately the numbers flip and you go from like a 1% chance of making it into the big leagues to a 60% chance. And so like, if you get the invite, like how could you not be excited? No, it's like the way you just put it is awesome. I'm not a math major, but I can figure that out. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I like numbers. I like numbers. Yeah, it's good. So, so, you go there. You first of all, awesome year with Portland. Awesome year across the board. Um, as you said, you know your strikeout rate jumps up. Uh, you've pro ball. I'm sure. Like I'm sure. The, the, what's also cool for you is whether it's 
as you progress in the minor leagues or even in the Arizona Fall Leagues, the the accessibility of information, right? Uh, of of how we can geek out on this stuff, mm-hmm. and and you know, and it's it's interesting, CT, because I've talked to a lot of players about, well, you know, how do you distill that stuff? And everybody's different. There's no right answer to this about the perfect way to distill it. So how do you do it? How did you do it to the point where you have become so effective that you have landed at this place where 60% of the guys go to the major leagues? Right. I got to be honest with you, man. It's, uh, it's easy to say that you're process oriented when you have shit results. And that's something that I've said a few times. Um, and so it's really easy for me to look back my freshman year of college, sophomore year of college, senior year of college, and even my first year, my first full season of professional baseball, I spent the whole year in low A Salem, um, with like a 486 ERA. And, you know, it's really easy to, to say that I care about the process and I focus on the process when you have bad results. And, you know, I think about today where I'm at, right? Like I've kind of made the transition this last year. It seems like this is the first season where I've become a performer, right? Like, I'm not the guy that they're giving opportunities to, to develop. Like, I feel like I'm the guy that's coming in to get the job done now. And obviously, that's a balance. And so for me, you know, it's, I'd be lying if I said I haven't thought about um, caring about results or, or, oh my gosh, now I've got a 60% chance, like, does that mean I could debut next year? You know, like what, like what, like what does that mean? Could, is there a possibility I can get a big league spring training invite if I perform well out here? Like those are all thoughts that are going in my mind. And in my mind, you know, I've said this, I've said this, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that's like, it's easier said than done, but I really, really, really have bought into this concept that the AFL is just a period along the timeline, mm-hmm. right? Like 2023 season, like that's just one isolated period of time that somebody that somebody subjectively chose to look at my numbers from. So so just like anyone can say, okay, in the last two weeks I've done this, this, and this, and this. And like that might be really good, but you zoom out over over a longer time span, it's like that's not that great. You know? Mm-hmm. So so when I say that the AFL and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch a little bit on that tweet that, that you read. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that resonated. I love it, man. It was a good tweet. It was like and honestly I thought you like were Googling stuff and you just like plucking it out, but you didn't. I mean, this is you. This is great. hundred yeah, percent. I, I literally just hopped on Twitter and these were just like things that I was thinking. And I'm like, okay, how do I say this succinctly and tried to just write it? And that's just what came. So, um, but no, I'm really bought into the idea that the Arizona fall league for me, is just an extension of my process. It's just a continuation. Like I don't have to perform. I've got to stay process oriented. And I've got to focus every single day on my mobility routine to stay healthy, on my training room work to stay healthy, right? And I've got to be dialed in on my diet. I'm going to be dialed in on my sleep. I've got to take every single throw and catch play. I can't take those for granted. i got to be focused. I've got to be trying to hit a very, very small target with every single one of my pitches. And, and when it comes time to compete, I have the confidence in my preparation that whatever happens, happens. I'm curious to find out how this will go, but I know I've done everything that I absolutely can do to put myself in the best position to perform. And when I don't perform, it's okay, well, why did I not perform? And if I can't point to a reason, I'm not going to try to figure out 
Like, I'm not going to try to make up a reason. If I genuinely don't know why I didn't, why I didn't perform and I got unlucky my first outing of the season. Yeah. I had two walks and like, that's going to happen, but I had two infield singles, right? So those infield singles, like those are, those are, those are, those are skewed results and that's baseball. You know, that's, that's the game that we're playing. So I'm not going to drive myself mad trying to figure out what I've, what I could have done better. Obviously I could have executed better and had limited the walks, right? That's always been a thing for me. Um, but even this last outing, right? I had, I gave up one hit in two innings and same thing, infield single. And so if I look at my last three innings of work, my first week in the fall league, I've given up three hits, which I'm not a guy that gets hit, you know? And mm-hmm. so for, for, for three hits and three innings, like, that's that's not normal and i could drive myself crazy trying to figure out why i'm beginning hit but i'm choosing to just move on from it because that's baseball and those things happen and it's just one isolated small period of time those things will even out i will i will give up i will i will get an out on a 107 mile an hour line drive in the left center gap when my center fielder lays out for it and those things will even out those infield singles so you know it's 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 really just my commitment to my daily focus, my daily routine, and making sure that I continue to make progress. You know, and the other thing, and I'm going to give you some, like, I, I'm going to give you some grace here because it's, it's you're talking about three hits. Yeah. But in this environment that you are in, it's not the same. Like, this is a, it's an environment. It's like when you went to the Cape, right? You're staying with the host family. You're... Uh, is is you're playing with different people. In this case, you're in Glendale, Arizona, which I don't, you know, Glendale seems like a nice place. It's it's great, right? But I'm sure it's a lot of going from wherever you are, wherever the new uh, the location you're living, to the field, back to the field, to eat, to whatever. You're getting to know new people. And all the while, you're playing against good competition. Again, there's a reason why there's 60% of the guys that go to the major leagues. These are the, these, these are the good guys. Not to say that the guys you were going against before weren't the good guys, but these are really good players. So I'm just saying, give yourself some grace, man. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You're, you're doing great. <laughs> Here's the baseballs and boring pep talk. You're doing a good job. Let's so, go. Everyone, every once in a while, everyone needs that. Like yeah, everyone's, you know, I, it's it's just. And by the way, you, you you said how big you are. How much? So this is a, a very important question. I'm going to give you two important questions because uh, this is top of mind podcast. Uh, uh, I asked Sandra Bogart this, and probably other people. How much do you bench? Um, in the off season when I'm not throwing, which will not happen this year because I've only got a six week off season uh, with the fall league. And then in an early report, January 2nd, probably to Fort Myers. Um, my last off season training with platinum fitness in Summerlin, California, about 20 minutes South of, uh, of Santa Barbara. Peter Park is an absolute beast. The guy who runs it out there. Dude, I was working out with like Adam Levine, Orlando Bloom. Uh, wait, 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 what? Yeah, yeah. Shady. You were? Yeah, 100%. I worked out with Tyler Glasnow there uh, when he came to visit. Um, dude, this this is probably the most undiscovered gem of, of a trainer you've ever met in your entire life. He was uh, Lance Armstrong's 
um, trainer. He beat David Goggins in a hundred mile race in Santa Catalina by like three hours. He said he was on the flight and Goggins hadn't even finished yet. Oh, dude, this, guy's like, this place sounds awesome. This place, sounds, incredible. I, I want to go like hang out there. I don't want to bench, <laughs> but I want to hang out there. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so I got up to three plates, three fifteen. Oh man! And so thank you, like. Like every it's blow bogus, I I'll give him like whatever. He, he's, he doesn't need to bench anymore. But it's no. but he's like I can't bench. All these guys, all these baseball, I can't bench. Finally, someone I did three plates. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, uh, I love the weight room, and it's almost to a detriment, right? So like in season, like I try to stay out of, I stay out of it as much as I can. Most of my focus is in core stability, mobility, those kinds of things, mm. uh, balance. But in the off season, when I've got a six week period of time, eight week period of time that. You know, I'm shutting down the arm a little bit, and I'm just trying to get yoked. Like that's 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 what I've gotten up to. So, um, always trying to push the boundaries. For sure. I want to get. I want to have like a bench off with Adam Levine. Like I want to <laughs> <laughs> do something. Hey, then, that dude is an absolute grinder, and that really? is something people don't know. Like that don't see. He was going on tour in South Korea, and he was training for his tour. And Peter like had him working out with the baseball group and it's a bunch of professional athletes and dude, he's kicking our butt. Like the dude is an absolute grinder. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. His assistant <laughs> was working out with us. Like they made him, they made, uh, Adam Levine made his, made his assistant do the workouts with them. And the guy, I mean, the guy's, I mean, the guy's a grinder. It shows you though, but it doesn't it. I mean, it shows you like this is, this is the element of professionalism. I and mean, you've already, it's already ingrained in you. Yeah. But it's the Adam Levine lesson. You know, it doesn't hurt, man. It doesn't hurt. This guy is famous. He's rich. He, but he also knows he's he's going to run around a lot coming up in South Korea. You know, so he's got to get going. Um, they, shipped out, they shipped out like an assault bike for, uh, with him on tour, so that way Peter could like keep track of his workouts. Oh, really? Oh my gosh! It was it was uh, it was actually geez. really cool to see just to see the kind of the behind the scenes of a guy like that where. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, you think, you know, you're not, you, you can't really relate to him um, on the surface, but then you see him in the weight room and it's like, dude, I'm competing with you right now in the weight room. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And also, like, he looks at you and he's like, I, I want to, you know, I want your traps. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I want the uh, 1971 Porsche you pulled up in. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> dude, it was clean. He did a show in a new sports car every single day. It was sick. Oh, man. Like, yeah. Okay. Goals, right? Goals. <laughs> Major leagues. I mean, I know that you get a signing bonus, but I don't. I'm not going to do the cliche question. What do you spend on the signing bonus? I hope you saved it. Did you save it? The second that I got it, uh, less than 24 hours later, I transferred it out because I had I was closing on an investment property that I just timed up the uh, I timed up the deposit of my of my signing bonus with uh, with the purchase and the close of an investment property. So literally, as soon as I got the check. And I signed for $125,000. So, I mean, honestly, not much, but it really helped me out. And especially what I'm doing in real estate, like that 125 came at a great time and it really, really helped. But yeah, less than 24 hours after it got deposited, like I woke up, saw it in my bank account. I'm like, oh, this is sick. Like, that's a lot of, 
That's yeah. the most I've ever seen in my bank account. And then the uh, the second thought was, okay, well now I got to transfer this to the seller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it would have been it would have been a good story if you bought a seventy one Corvette, but I, I admire that. And we're going to get into your real estate business in a second. Uh, the other question was um, the uh, your your former roommate Marcelo Meyer. Not not the interview I did with him to sit down, but at the All Star Game, the Futures Game. Uh, I was talking to Jackson Holiday, you know, who was a pretty good player. And yeah. he's like, he's like, I said, what does it change the most for you? And he's like, the things that I sign, like, uh, are weird. And so I started asking guys. And Marcelo was, yeah, I signed a prosthetic limb. So I don't know if you got a good answer to that or not. The weirdest um, thing you've signed. I signed a New York Yankees hat, which I don't feel. I don't no, feel that- you didn't feel good about no, I don't feel good about that one. <laughs> but you're a nice guy. You did it anyway. Yeah, I'm like, come on. Why, are you really asking me to sign a Yankees hat right now? But uh, I guess that's probably the team that the kid played for. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you're growing baseball. Yeah, um, nobody really wants my autograph right now. So, uh, Are you kidding me? Especially I mean, after this. Holy. I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have a licensed card yet. Um, I don't have any card deals yet. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that once you get a licensed card, that's where guys start to ask you for your autograph, but also too, as a reliever, like that's probably, I mean, a reliever is probably the least, I don't know, least interesting. You know, you know, you know, you know who I did a book, a best selling book with Who's that? A, re- a reliever. Don't worry about it. No, I'm not worried about hey, it. No, no, no. I'm saying it's like, this is the relievers are the, like the new starters. The relievers are the next superstars. I mean, I just walked into Dodger Stadium and there's a big mural of a reliever that's smacking me in the face. It's Joe Kelly. So, and and honestly, so this actually leads me to a question I had, which is we talk about your social media. We talk about you having a personality. We talk about doing this stuff, all of this. And I've talked to, when we were doing the book, Joe was talking about how that you know, they have the rookie development program where they have the like you sit down in the media training and all that. And I don't know exactly what they tell you, but there is there is some who take it to an extreme. Like I got to be super protective and that's just how it has to be because I got to I have to adhere to what the organization wants. But I think that you can adhere to what the organization wants and still show your personality, which is what you do, and share your thoughts, which is what you do. And also, which I think is important. Like, it's important for growing the game in so many ways. It's important to grow in the game for people to care about the players. It's important to grow the game to actually do what you're doing, which is educate, like, these people who have gone whatever path they've gone through. So I don't know, like, if anybody – even maybe it's even talking to teammates about this stuff. Like, how should I act? How should I approach? You're going to be you. But how has that path been for you? That's that's a really that's a really loaded question. I, there's a lot to unpack there. No, uh, and listen, I've already got approval from Brian Abraham. He said you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, to be honest with you, man, I think that I'm just as confident in myself as I possibly can be. And so even if I do slip up and say something that maybe I shouldn't have, maybe if I act out of line just a little bit, like really is that the end of the world? You know, obviously, obviously there's certain like levels to it, but if I, if I say something that, you know, in retrospect, I wish I wouldn't have said, it doesn't really bother me any because one, I know that 
like I make mistakes. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to do the wrong thing sometimes. Um, and if I keep that pressure on myself while I'm trying to think, I'll just be mute mm-hmm. because you, I wouldn't want to mess up. So I know that I'm going to mess up. Um, I know that I'm not going to mess up in such a dramatic way that it will negatively affect my career or the people around me, but I know that I will mess up. But then secondly, those mess ups are also really, really good for generating attention. Um, um, growing your brand. So from like a media digital leverage perspective, like I'm okay saying the wrong thing every now and again. It's kind of funny because, because I got, I got into a little bit of a, of an argument, um, not an argument. I'd like to say discourse, um, on Twitter. And I went back to go double check on it. And the, uh, the fan like deleted all their tweets. And I was like, oh, like I feel kind of bad about it. Um, cause they're talking, we're talking about perfectionism and, you know, they're, they're trying to be really empathetic and, 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 you know, tell me like, don't strive for perfection, whatever it may be. But I was fighting back and, you know, there's just, there's just times where the competitor really takes over and is just wanting everything to be so perfect. And so I was, I was pushing back and not in a like argumentative way. And I was like, I, I agree with you to some extent, but the competitor in me, the, like I've I made the analogy. I'm like, I've got the angel and the devil on my shoulders, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I saw that. That was a good one. Yeah. I was like, I was like, who do I listen to? You know, like, do I, do I, do I not strive for perfection or do I strive for perfection and keep striving? And there, I, obviously there's some balance and um, there, the, the fan was being super empathetic and like super kind. And I was pushing back. I was pushing back. And so in retrospect, I'm like, maybe I pushed back a little too hard uh, because I think they unfollowed me and probably blocked me. Um, but it's okay because uh, you I can't worry about that. No, exactly. Exactly. And so I, 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 I my, my fault, my last message was like, I really appreciate your perspective. Thank you for articulating. Thank you for engaging with me. And I think it's really cool that we can have this kind of discourse out in public on social media. Um, and I agree with you to some extent, but there's this other voice in my head that just wants to fight back, wants to fight back. And so, you know, I think about the way that I handled myself in that situation. Like I'm proud of, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of what was said. I'm proud of what was done. I wish nothing. I wish nothing but good things for the fan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that maybe it was a little too strong, but that's just an example of like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Not saying the exact right thing every single time. Right, and and I think that this is the paranoia, and I, and I don't want to say paranoia, but the paranoia of I said I don't want to say paranoia, then I said it, but it's 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 the the why a lot of younger athletes, younger baseball players, put up a guard because I think there is that worry. Like I don't want to say the wrong thing, and I definitely don't want to get in the bad graces of my organization, and I understand all that, but at the same time. I think that if you're grounded in right and wrong, which is what you are, and you're grounded in like your convictions, and like, I'll give an example, like um, Tristan Cassis comes up to the Red Sox first day. Everyone knows his story. First day, he's out sunbathing in the outfield. Everyone's like, "Well, what's he doing?" Like, "Well, that well that was his thing, man. Like that was yeah. his thing." And there's plenty of you talk to anybody who played in 10 years in the majors, I say. And they'll say, from when they started, when they came up to now, it's polar opposite, where it was, don't you say anything, stand in the corner, don't you dare do, you're like, this, you be, which is so ass backwards. Because, CT, like, if you, if you want someone to perform their best, like, you're performing your best, 
you got to be you, right? You can't be you can't be like don't do this, don't do that because of your age, because of your experience. You got to be you, and they need you to perform your best, right? You want to perform, but they need you. There's a reason why you're with the Portland Sea Dogs. There's a reason why you're with the Worcester Red Sox. There's a reason why you're with the Boston Red Sox because they need you. And the way that, that you're going to perform your best is when you feel the best about yourself. And there you go. There's my soapbox about it. Couldn't agree more. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. So uh, when you are in the AFL and you're around other guys and you're there, like, this is a great thing, right? You're around other personalities. So that must be kind of like interesting, like to, to get to know. Or are guys, this is a dynamic again. You would know that I wouldn't because I'm not in the AFL. But are the are guys pretty open to showing their personalities right away? Uh, do you feel like a team pretty quick there? Because um, everyone, to your point, wants to do well for their own selfish purposes. That's right. You know, you want to, sure, you want to win, but, you know, it's it's a goal, it's an individual goal thing. What is the dynamic like in the AFL in terms of getting to know guys and who has jumped out in terms of actually having a personality? We're like, whoa, let's go. Yeah. Um, that's actually funny because if you were to ask everyone in the locker room, they probably would say that I probably come on a little too strong. Uh, straight out of the gates, like I show up and, and I'm and I'm loud and I'm introducing myself to everybody, talking to everybody. Um, and for me, like it's not because I want the attention. For me, it's because I want to make relationships. I want to form relationships, and I know that that's best for my performance. And to be a leader on a team, like that, only elevates everybody else's performance. So in my mind, like I'm okay. I'm okay feeling uncomfortable and putting myself out there when nobody else is and everyone's just on their phone with their headphones in and their oh, locker room. I hate that. Um, because, because, you know, they're, they're maybe, I don't want to say nervous, but maybe, maybe they're, they're a little guarded. Like, like you said, you know, everyone wants to perform well. I know how to get the best out of myself. Um, and that's something that's always going to be changing, obviously, but I've also led a lot of clubhouses and a lot of teams. Um, and I know that, and I know that, to care about my teammates' performance means the world to my teammate. So I will always pay attention to the games. I will always look at the box score. And I might be in the bullpen the whole game. But just know if you go two for three with a double and we lose, I don't care. I'm coming into the clubhouse. I'm smacking you on the butt and saying, hey, good job today. And just that alone means the world to them because they don't expect somebody in the bullpen to be paying attention to that close. I ask him, hey, that 1-0 slider that that started strike, ended up ball that you, that you took and you spat on, like, how did you see that? Did you see spin early or were you just taking it out of the hand? You know, and I ask really specific questions like that. And they go, oh, no, I was taking out of hand. I knew that they weren't going to give me, going to challenge me or whatever the answer might be. That's pretty much irrelevant. But the, but the relevant thing is, I'm paying attention mm. and I'm taking stock in your career and I'm a fan of you and I'm a fan of what you're doing. And I know that that is how to get the best out of people is to care about them. Yeah. Um, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, and in, 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 and you're going to have a month with these guys, month and a half, whatever. But if by doing that, like that'll, that's lifelong. That's like, that's, that's a lifetime of, Hey, I remember 20 years ago when CT did this. Who is who? I know you've only been there a little while, but give me three guys there who you're like, holy shit, they're really good. 
and and maybe it's you know it can be your teammate, can be someone on the other team. I don't know if three guys jump out at you. And maybe you know next week when we talk, it's somebody different. I don't know. But right now, yeah. Um, the first name that comes to mind is a bullpen arm. Uh, his name is Jordan Leisure with the White Sox. He was traded at the deadline from the that's Dodgers. right. Yeah. Guy is an absolute stud. Super chill, super low key. We're in the bullpen, just chopping it up, and uh, he he honestly mellows me out. Like just talking to him, just kind of just kind of recenters me. So um, that dude is an absolute beast. And honestly, I've got no idea why he was in the minor leagues this last year. Like like dude's got to be knocking on the door. Was he and, in the? He was in the. He, speaking of like circle of life, Joe Kelly, Lance Lynn trade. Um, maybe I actually don't okay. know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, yeah, I recognize. So yeah, that's, that's a good one. Nice. Yeah. The dude, the dude is an undercover beast, um, <laughs> with like the loosest arm action I've ever seen. Dude's got a three pitch, four pitch mix. Maybe that's, that's, that's disgusting. Big life on the fastball. Um, probably the hardest thrower in the bullpen, but just good dude. Real, okay. real, real solid dude. Um, another one is Jacob Burke. Uh, he was a, I think he was an 11th or 12th rounder with the White Sox. Um, but kind of one of those undercover guys. It was funny. We were in the clubhouse and whenever you get a package, like, like waiting for your locker, when you get to the field, you, you know, you get, you get all excited. And so I had this huge package and I'm like, Oh, let's go. Like I've got a package, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big one. And I look around and Jacob Burke and like a couple other guys have the same package. And so I'm like, mm, well, that doesn't make me feel special anymore. I go uh, open the package and it's uh, it's like a gift bag for my agency from Beverly Hills. Shout out to them. They hooked it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I found out that he was in the agency just because he had the same box. And so uh, it was kind of funny to, to be like, dude, we were talking this whole time and we didn't even know that we were in this part of the same. <laughs> um, but that's been, that's been a really cool relationship. Uh, that's kind of honestly uh, taken off relatively quickly. Uh, and for the sake of this exercise, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying anybody in the Red Sox. I think that I think that the Red Sox are really unique in that we all have really close relationships with each other. Like that, you could definitely tell that the Red Sox players. And this is no, this is not a dig on any other organization. This is only to brag about my organization and the organization I'm with. Like the camaraderie between the guys here in the AFL with the Red Sox is like far and well beyond any other camaraderie that I see in the clubhouse between any other organization. Well, and again, that's not a knock on those organizations. No, no, no. That's it's it's good. And again, because I know that Brian Abraham's monitoring your every move. He'll be listening <laughs> to this. He appreciates that. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the culture starts from the top. It really does. Yeah. So, by, so, so far, you've made a lot of White Sox feel people feel good about their future because the first two people you named White Sox guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So you got a third one? Yeah. Um, and now that you made the White Sox comment, maybe I won't say <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all right. No, I mean, let's this, this go. Three for three. Uh, go ahead. Colson Montgomery. Colson Montgomery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's the – I think he – he might be the – the highest rank – you know, the listen, MLB Pipeline does a great job. Um, our guy Sam Dykstra is out there right now talking to people, talk to your teammate um, last night. Uh, but uh, I think Colson Montgomery is the highest rated guy there. Am I wrong? I'm I idea. Okay. Well, there, there you go. Let yeah. it be said, let it be done. But yeah, so Colson Montgomery. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a good dude. I, I, I like watching him field. He, uh, 
him and Marcelo move very similarly in the infield. Just real smooth. Obviously, they're like they're, they're taller shortstops. They're tall for the position, but just the way that they move is is super athletic, super clean, super smooth. And it's funny because you know I'm on the bucket shagging during BP, and he's fielding ground balls, and I'm talking shit to him, and he's talking it back to me, and you know he gets a ball, he's throwing it at the L screen, and you know we just have we just have a good time with it. So um, it's been really fun. But yeah, it's actually kind of funny that I named three White Sox guys. I didn't even think about that. No, no, it's good because they've been down the dumps. They need something to be optimistic about. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just serious. Uh, we we do have Pedro Grafal on uh, once in off season. Um, so, uh, by the way, Marcelo, um, this just jumped to mind. Uh, teammate of yours at Sea Dogs, Alex Benalis, he says he can beat Marcelo Meyer in a race. Did you know this? Uh, I did not. But you I didn't hear to, this? So, I so this is like get off to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, the, but this is what the story is. So, this has been a constant thing. So, we, I, I did a lot of podcasts with Alex Benelis, great personality, great guy. And uh, he said, you know, then we were in spring training and so he claimed that he could beat Marcel in a race. And evidently he was sitting in those, whatever, the hotel rooms, keep pulling up a video of him running as a 14-year-old of this is how fast I am. And they're like, you were 14. You were 14. So... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think he could, but <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll 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 get to the races. Races and bench press conversation are always fun. Um, all right. Finally, I appreciate your time, and uh, I want you to talk about the other projects you have outside baseball because this is another important thing. And and you know, you're a young man, but it's never too early to think about other things. And like we talked about the initial time on the phone. It's good. It's good for your mind to to deal with other stuff, man. It just is. And you're doing it at a at a very high level with very creative stuff. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks for opening this up. You know, going back to my Tommy John experience, you know, I I touched on just how tough of the time it was. And I guess to understand like what I do off the field probably starts with that conversation because it was a self-identity crisis when my entire life, every single year I played baseball. And then for 12 months, what I thought was going to be 12 months when I tore my UCL turning, turning into 24 months of no baseball, dude, I had no idea what to do with myself. I was like, you know, what do I do if I'm not, if I'm not working out, if I'm not at the field, if I'm not hanging out with my teammates, cause obviously with the COVID, like you couldn't really, you couldn't really hang out with the entire team. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a self-identity crisis. It really was. And, you know, of the things I really had to take, I really had to take stock of like, okay, what are my other interests? Like, what am I actually interested in other than baseball? Like who else am I besides Christopher Troy, the baseball player? And so thinking about that, you know, I'd already, I, I, typical, typical kid with a limited stand mentality growing up, like, uh, super entrepreneurial, super like putting myself out there and played chess growing up, you know, really, really liked numbers, really, really liked finance. And at this point, I probably had like two or three single family homes with one of my best friends, Jake Cosgrove. Um, his dad was a big mentor for us. And, and we started buying rental properties together. I don't know when I was probably 19 years old. So I think that's probably February of 2019, 2018, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but at this time, we already had a couple, couple rental properties. We were trying to just figure it out. Um, 
But during that time, that's where I really, really, really took advantage of the time that I had, the extra time that I had on my hands and advanced my my interests and my hobbies outside of baseball. And so, you know, starting with those first couple real estate, uh, residential, uh, single family home rental properties, um, we've since scaled and I've, and I've got a portfolio with my parents, obviously. And now we're looking at a multifamily with, uh, with some, with, with some other, with some other groups we're looking at apartment complexes. One of my good friends, Cole Mueller from UC Santa Barbara, uh, started a tequila company out, out of college. It's called Octavio. If you like tequila, try it. It's definitely, um, <laughs> the value is definitely there. Um, but he brought to me an Airbnb deal, uh, with the properties pad out in Indio, California, like two blocks from Coachella. So that's been something that uh, we've been kind of working on. I put a group message together. I want to see who's in this group message. Um, but <laughs> my, my friend Cole Mueller brought, brought me this deal and him and his dad are doing it. His dad's been a, been a mentor of sorts for me as well. Um, but I've got a group message with a bunch of Red Sox guys. Uh, and I, I passed, I passed on the, uh, I passed on the deal to him and I've got it right here. It's, Marcelo, Hickey, uh, Cavadas, trying to think who else, uh, but just a few guys. So like, like, like that shows you how close we are within the Red Sox organization that, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're also friends off the field, but also like we make business moves together. Like we're talking, we're talking business. We're talking, we're talking finances. And it's because it's because the best baseball players in the game, you're going to play until you're 40, 43 years old, 44 years old. If you're really, really, really lucky. And that's only the first half of your life. Hmm. And so so thinking about that during the, during my Tommy John rehab, I'm like, if this is how I'm feeling at 19, 20 years old, because I can't play baseball for a year, what's it going to feel like when I'm done playing baseball, you know? And so over the, over the last few years, five, six years, like really, really have, have dived, have dove into the real estate space, um, the financial space. I've always got deals coming through. I'm always looking at deals, always on Zoom talking about them. Um, but it's been it's been good for the mental because, uh, and you know we talked about this a little bit on the phone. So I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. When 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 you have a good outing or a bad outing, honestly, the bad the good outings are harder for me to flush than the bad ones, um, which is pretty backwards. But we'll get that's a separate conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but when I'm sitting down and I'm talking about. Now, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. Um, it's, it's, I don't have a choice but to be focused. I don't have a choice but to think solely about what I'm doing and what's in front of me because these are big numbers and like they, 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 they affect my life in a big way. So to be thinking about my last outing is like, I can't do it. I just, I, I don't have the space to even think about what I, what I have to do at the field. But then it's great because the second I turn that off and I hang up the call and I close my laptop, I'm like, okay, now baseball. And, and I go through my day. I go through my routine. I know what I'm going to do. Get home from baseball. Okay. What do I want to take away from it? Okay. Good. Shut that laptop down. Okay. Now real estate, family, whatever it may be, whatever interest I have off the field. And it's been really, really helpful for my self identity, um, but also just for mental clarity um, and consistency sake to to have other things that 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 interest me. Yeah, it's so true. And I and and you're you're a good friend, a good teammate, and a good example. That's Thanks. why this is the Troy story. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. 
I look forward to it. It's uh, it's it was a lot of fun. I could talk to you for like eight more hours, but we'll do I know, that I another like time. Have so much more to say. I know, I know, but <laughs> it's 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 a good start, man. It's a good start, and I and uh, I think it's it's helpful for a lot of people, and it's and it's also it's helpful for me because it's you're just a fun guy to talk to. So there you go. If you were a fun guy to talk to, I wouldn't have done it for an hour. But here we go. We're done for an hour. All right, man. I appreciate it. Bradfield, you're the man. I'll see you uh, same time next week. All right. Sounds good. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.